Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Utilizing low-dose radiation scans that reveal cancers, cardiac issues, precursors of dementia, and more. Information about early health screenings at virtualimagingatl.com. Krista Wagner voted for Donald Trump in 2016. Four years later, she was one of the suburban women who helped propel Joe Biden to victory. Because I was so worried and saw so many things that just gutted me that were, I, I thought, and with somebody saying that they're willing to become a dictator and that there's an election that was stolen before the election even happens, I really voted my conscience on that. Now another election is coming up. Krista Wagner's flip to the Democrats last time it wasn't totally permanent. I'll probably vote for Kemp. Um, and then I do like Warnock, so I'll probably vote for him. Republicans like Governor Brian Kemp want to slow the trend of suburbs turning blue. But with former President Trump's lingering presence in politics, and as Metro Atlanta grows and becomes more diverse, it's an uphill climb. Well, I will say the overturning of Roe v. Wade is top of mind for me as a woman, and I definitely have to support the party who's going to make that a priority. Neither party satisfies me, neither candidate satisfies me, but I'll probably end up voting for, for Abrams and the Democrats down the ticket. Um, not something I normally do, but because of, you know, all the MAGA stuff, all the things that have happened the last few years with that, that's a uh, kind of a deal breaker for me. Why are the Atlanta suburbs now Georgia's most contested political battlegrounds? I'm Sam Greenglass, politics reporter at WABE. I'm WABE politics editor, Susanna Capaluto. I'm Emma Hurt of Axios Atlanta. And I'm Raul Bally, also a politics reporter at WABE, and this is Georgia Votes 2022, a podcast about Georgia's midterms. I vote because it's a privilege. I vote because I want to make an impact. I vote because I want leaders who care about voting. Voting is the gift of freedom. So voting matters to me because I believe there is value in my voice. It's great to have the whole gang together. Sam, you've spent a lot of time this month in Alpharetta, a northern suburb of Atlanta that has been for a long time a Republican stronghold. What are you hearing from voters there now? Well, look, Metro Atlanta suburbs overall have been trending a lot more Democratic in the last few cycles. And one reason is they are growing and they are becoming more diverse as new people move in. Nikki Samet, for example, who I met in Alpharetta, recently moved from California. Well, I just have a baby girl, and so I'm I'm hoping that things go uh, a little more progressive. Definitely abortion, definitely like women's rights and making sure that my daughter has a right to choose and for us if we want to have any more children. And the other factor that's been sending voters fleeing the Republican Party in suburban communities is Donald Trump. The question is what happens now that Trump is not on the ballot or in the White House. This is Adam Pye, who we heard from at the top of the show. He thinks of himself as an independent, but he's been repelled by the GOP of today. We do. We're lucky to have to be you know, financially comfortable and everything. And so I've been less hardcore about lower taxes and all that kind of stuff. And other things have been more more important to me, some of the social stuff, that kind of thing. So that's that's kind of helped me swing personally to like the more the the, the more liberal side of, of kind of my opinions. And remember that Georgia's elections are decided by slim margins now. So while the trend lines in Georgia suburbs aren't likely to change anytime soon as they move toward the Democrats, Republicans being able to peel off some of these independent voters could still make a big difference in deciding elections. 
And like Sam said, it's ironic because you see Georgia Republicans looking for any votes they can get in the suburbs. They know that they're not going to flip the suburbs back red necessarily, but they're looking for any votes they can find in the same way that, as we've talked about, Democrats are going into Republican corners of the state to look for any votes there in such a battleground state. Every vote, no matter where you are, no matter what color your county appears from high up, is valuable. Now, I want to go back to one of the comments from the top of the show, Krista Wagner. She's voting for Republican Brian Kemp and Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock. Now, polls suggest that not a small number of voters are considering splitting their votes. What's going on there? So we've talked about how we're hesitant to rely too much on polls. So let's stick with that. But there is a pattern that seems to be emerging in many polls that show the incumbents, that would be Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock and Republican Governor Brian Kemp, appearing to be leading their challengers. And there are probably several factors that are shaping that dynamic, just to be clear. But one question that these polls do raise is, are there Warnock-Kemp voters that exist? Uh, I can tell you the answer is yes. And this is Cameron Llewellyn. He's a software developer from Dunwoody. And I met him while he was watching his kid play baseball. He considers himself a Republican, but last election he voted for Joe Biden. Uh, I think Kemp for governor, but then I actually think I'm going to vote for Warnock uh, for senator because although Horschel Walker uh, was great at football, I don't know that he is great at politics. These are Republican-leaning voters who have been pretty happy with Kemp's job as governor, but are maybe uncomfortable with Herschel Walker. Here's Greg Minert from Johns Creek, and he's leaning toward Walker, but isn't totally sure yet. Troubles me a little bit, you know, some of the allegations against Herschel Walker um, just, just came out recently. So that's something I'll have to take a closer look at, because if it's true, yeah, that could change my mind. So one thing I've also heard that some people may be simply voting against Herschel Walker, but others, especially independent and Republican-leaning voters, simply do like Warnock. He's a reverend. He's in ads wearing those same suburban dad fleece that you see Governor Kemp wearing sometimes. He talks about his bipartisanship in Congress, and people seem to like that. You know, one thing I'll just add here is while Kemp is polling consistently around five points up, Warnock is ahead, but within the margin of error, it's a lot closer. And some Republicans, even Republicans who were really skeptical of Walker as a candidate six months ago, a year ago, who were very worried, are looking at this and thinking, huh, he actually might be holding his own. This race is still statistically a tie. And this is coming even after now two months of ads highlighting Herschel Walker's past allegations and reports of domestic violence. And they're saying, well, if millions have already been put behind those ads and the poll numbers are still showing effectively a statistical tie, maybe Walker does have a shot. Now, again, we have to remember that neither of them are consistently polling above 50% of the vote. So that certainly spells heading for a runoff. Yeah, Emma, I think that's a really good point. You know, some of these voters that I've talked to who might be traditional Republicans who are leaning towards voting for Warnock this time around, I've also met people who are going to leave that race blank, people who are going to vote for the Libertarian candidate, and people who are leaning towards maybe Warnock, but think that they still have time to come around before the election and might come home to vote for Herschel Walker. So this is still very much a jump ball. But again, like you said, Sam, polls are just a snapshot. So we're still a few weeks out. Now, Emma, you and Sam were both with Camp in Alpharetta this week. In the same town where Krista Wagner lives, Camp was campaigning with Virginia Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin. 
who became a star in the party after his upset win last year. We, in fact, have seen Republican governors lead their states so much better than Democrat governors have. Economic growth, job creation, education, safety. Now, why is Yunkin an attractive surrogate for Kemp in the suburbs? Look, I mean, Yunkin, as you said, he flipped a Democratic-controlled state last year in a year that was dominated by Republican national headwinds that were driven by former President Trump. And Yunkin managed to stay above all of that fray. And he says he did it by focusing on issues like what he mentioned, economic growth, education, crime, things that he says people care about. And Kemp, as we know, has been trying to do that as well trying to basically ignore former President Trump, given their drama and history together. But it's a model that is certainly appealing to Kemp in what is also a battleground state. And by the way, you know, Stacey Abrams went and campaigned against Glenn Youngkin last year. So the tables have turned a little bit there. One thing I want to note, though, is that while we're talking about Glenn Youngkin as this broadly appealing figure, both Youngkin and Governor Kemp have passed conservative legislative agendas that may be out of step with some voters. While Youngkin was campaigning in Georgia this week, several high schools in his state of Virginia were holding walkouts to protest his support for preventing transgender kids from playing school sports. He has also campaigned with the Republican nominee for governor in Arizona, Carrie Lake, who uh, denies the results of the 2020 election. And here in Georgia, Kemp has signed a restrictive abortion law that is unpopular with many Georgia voters. So I just want to point out that as we're talking about Kemp and Youngkin as potentially broadly attractive political figures, there are some other pieces of their record that could turn off these independent-minded voters. Raul, you've also been in the suburbs. Last weekend, you were in Roswell with Republican Kelly Leffler, who's founded the group Greater Georgia, which is working sort of to counter the Democrats' ground game. And you were at a Warnock campaign event also with the president of Planned Parenthood. Talk about the messaging on abortion that happened in those two events. Let me start with former Senator Leffler, who is an important figure in the Georgia midterms, even though she's not on the ballot. So since February of last year, right after her defeat to Senator Warnock, she's been focusing on registering conservative voters through a group called Greater Georgia. Then June of this year, she launched Citizens for a Greater Georgia. Now the stated focus of that group is to elect and reelect Republican state senators. But kind of in the broader context, it's about turning out conservative and Republican voters in the suburbs. You know, she has put significant funding, possibly seven digits. Uh, And it's made a difference because it's hiring staff and door knockers. And as I've said in past podcasts, we're hearing that phone calls don't work anymore. You need more money to put bodies on the ground. So let me take you to that event that you were talking about, Susanna. And, And her message to the crowd and then to me afterwards was Economy, 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 economy. It might be a top five issue now. It's not a top four issue. Uh, Families are hurting from inflation, high grocery prices. They're worried about their kids' educational progress in schools. And the Democrats are desperate to make abortion the issue because they don't have a record to stand on. Now, the very next day, Planned Parenthood CEO Alexis McGill-Johnson was also in Roswell, and she had a very different message on this whole discussion of economy versus abortion. What's motivating people to, to say, I need, a, I, need to, um, I need to access my ballot, um, is, is, is actually not the price of gas. It's people are pissed, 
sorry. <laughs> they are. <laughs> and they want to fight back. And so that is what we are seeing. That is the rage we are, are capturing. One of the things that jumped out at me when both Leffler and Johnson spoke, and they brought up this idea of misinformation about Georgia's new abortion law. And I asked both of them about it afterwards. First, here's what Alexis McGill Johnson said. Lawmakers don't really understand what the bills do, <laughs> and even as they the unintended consequences of them, and so I'm I'm seeing a lot of the kind of um, the the ways in which they are suggesting that women won't be criminalized or penalized, that um, uh, or the ways in which providers will be is is actually kind of inconsistent with what's also in the law, and I think that's something we should all be concerned about with the state of healthcare. Now here's what Kelly Leffler had to say. The biggest thing, obviously, is that there's an abortion ban. There's not a ban. They have criminalized. They've said that. Uh, we have criminalized miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies. That's completely false, and they know that's false. And then you have Stacey Abrams saying that an infant in the womb does not have a heartbeat. That she calls it a mechanically produced sound. That's not true. And so I don't know where to start on the disinformation. It's at every facet of when they talk about it, because not only are they trying to scare women, they're trying to mobilize their base, which has very low energy right now because their policies are not working for their base. And, you know, McGill Johnson then went to a second event in Georgia with Stacey Abrams that I went to as well. And there, you know, it was completely focused on abortion too. But these comments about a heartbeat that Senator Leffler was referring to came up. Abrams said she got into a, quote, kerfuffle because she used some science out loud. What Senator Leffler is referring to there is Abrams saying on stage last week that a fetal heartbeat was a sound manufactured by men to control women's bodies effectively. And what she is referring to there is what we know, that while Republicans refer to Georgia's anti-abortion law as the, heart quote, heartbeat bill, Technically, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists doesn't believe that a heartbeat exists until a heart is fully formed, which is more like 20 weeks. And so the term fetal heartbeat at six weeks is not scientifically accurate. However, Republicans have had a field day with Abrams's terminology there. And what we're seeing on this issue, what we've seen consistently, but now since this is really a top issue for Democrats, we see it on the trail a lot, is this verbiage, which can really motivate both sides. And I asked Abrams, does she regret using those words? Because it has had a galvanizing effect among Republicans. And she said no. Sometimes the honest answer is awkward and it's uncomfortable and people don't like to hear it. But when politicians start manipulating information to rig an outcome, then we lose the trust of the very people we're trying to engage. And I just want to say that editorially, here at WABE, we do not use the term heartbeat. We call it cardiac activity, and we are using the scientific terms uh, when we are describing this bill. Just wanted to add that. Now, let's pause here. I'm Susanna Capaluto, and this is Georgia Votes 2022. Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, providing proactive medical diagnostics to catch deadly or debilitating diseases early, using state-of-the-art equipment to detect warning signs or offer peace of mind. You can take charge of your health at virtualimagingatl.com. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. 
For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Welcome back to Georgia Votes 2022 this week with Sam, Raul, and Emma. So we had a state elections board meeting this week, and it featured a person from Dominion Voting Systems. That's the company Georgia uses for its voting machines, and it's also the company mentioned by a lot of conspiracy theorists. Now, why was Dominion at this meeting, and what did they do? So we saw something a little different at this meeting of the state election board. Rather than talking about a lot of new business, what they did was they brought in experts, including the head of Dominion Voting Systems, to basically explain how voting machines work, how ballot scanners work, because a lot of the people who show up to these meetings, some of them are conspiracy theorists who have raised a lot of false claims about how these voting machines work. And so the idea behind bringing experts in is to try and bat back some of those conspiracy theories to explain how do the machines tabulate votes? How does the backup work? to convince people that they are safe and secure. We had an expert from the Secretary of State's office talk about how risk-limiting audits work. But at the same time, we heard from some activists who were kind of like, "Mm, this might be too little too late because a lot of people who believe these conspiracy theories around how elections were ran in 2020 and beyond, they're really dug in on those ideas at this point. And even bringing in experts who can explain how these processes work, it might be too late to change their minds. And we might be stuck with with some of these conspiracy theories for the foreseeable future. So, and the other thing that happened in that meeting was this deeper dive on Georgia's elections law and and what is done and what is not done. They also did a whole presentation on risk limiting audits and how those are done. Again, trying to directly address conspiracy theories that are out there and also in a way try to reach out to the wider, more general public who either have questions or sometimes hear these conspiracy theories. And again, as, as Sam mentioned, you know, watching the public comment, you heard some of the critics, you know, some of the more mainstream critics compliment them. Thanks for doing this, but too little, too late. And the people that are much further out there on either end, they basically I, you don't feel like that they got moved in any direction in any way. And I just think the big picture here is that we are seeing Georgia election officials in the state election board and the secretary of state's office that spent a whole day basically with media answering also a lot of kind of basic questions about election security, trying to get ahead of this. 2020 was a disaster of disinformation for them, and they're trying to lay the groundwork this time ahead of time. Now, some other things have popped up on the campaign trail this week. The Braves name was back in the news. And then we also had transgender sports. It was raised again by the Walker campaign. Why are candidates bringing up these wedge issues? Is it to gin up base voters or is it to convince the 50-50 voters? So earlier this week, the Atlanta Braves were in Washington, D.C. to play the Nationals. And they got to make the trip to the White House to celebrate their world championship and, and after that celebration was all over, the White House spokesperson held a regular briefing was asked about the Atlanta Braves name. The White House spokesperson gave a, a very nuanced answer that that Native American voices need to be at the center of the conversation over the Braves name and that that's something the president believes and that the, the White House believes and that those impacted by, you know, names that reflect 
the Native American community need to be involved in that conversation. Look, for as long as I can remember, back to the late 80s and into the early 90s, there's always been some level of controversy over the Braves' name, whether it's offensive and insulting to the Native American community. Republicans pounced, you know, you know, specifically Herschel Walker's campaign saying Warnock won't back the Braves, silent on a Braves name change, even said Warnock is a New York Mets fan. So uh, Warnock responded, he, you know, with a very similar answer, which you heard from the White House, that the Braves organization is having conversations with the Native American community. In the end, does this change minds? No. In the end, it probably just reinforces opinions that people already had on all of the sides. And another sports issue that we saw pretty prominently on the campaign trail today isn't new. We've talked about it before, this issue of whether transgender children should be allowed to play on sports teams in schools that match their gender identities. And Herschel Walker had a whole lineup of events focused entirely on this issue, featuring NCAA athlete Riley Gaines, who has become famous for opposing transgender policies after swimming against a transgender woman. But basically, while Walker has talked about this on the campaign trail, while we know Governor Brian Kemp passed a law that paved the way to allow Georgia high schools to ban transgender children from playing sports that match their gender identity, Walker really leaned in. I mean, one quote he said was, I can tell you right now, they're telling the young kids in school, you can be a boy tomorrow, even if you're a girl, but I want the young kids to know you go to heaven. Jesus may not recognize you because he made you a boy. He made you a girl. Why are we talking about things like that? And these kinds of words are extremely upsetting to people in the trans community. But politically, it appears the Walker campaign, as other Republicans have, have made the calculation that it's an issue that is broadly popular. And we do have polling that shows that, that this is an issue in a general election electorate that is broadly popular. As we've spoken about before, transgender community believes this is because an issue of people not being educated and aware but the fact of the matter is Republicans have leaned in on this, but Walker in particular during this general election, whereas Kemp, while he still discusses it on the campaign trail, he is not talking about it as much as he did during the primary. Look, I have talked to Republicans who are absolutely convinced that on this issue, they can move independent voters. In the past, they have told me there are parents across the political spectrum who have kids in sports, and they believe that the fairness argument works. Bottom line though, there are no examples of trans kids causing issues in middle and high school sports teams in Georgia. And one other thing we really should note, really important, noting the suicide rates among trans kids are disproportionately high among kids this age. So this whole discussion has a real effect on trans kids' mental health. And before we close, we know Hurricane Ian has battered Florida. It is moving along the Georgia coast and into South Carolina. And uh, we just want to note that we will keep everybody in mind and that hopefully everybody will stay safe. That's it for this edition of Georgia Votes 2022. Sam, Raul, and Emma, it was great to talk to you. Georgia Votes 2022 comes to you from the WABE Politics Desk. Kevin Grinker is our producer. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at georgiavotes at wabe.org. And the NPR Politics Podcast comes to the Bucket Theater on October 20th. We hope to see you there. 
And please rate this podcast. We'll see you next week. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org election 2024.